Welcome to the LVR Podcast, a podcast designed for Australian mortgage brokers made by brokers. We're here to help answer your questions with solid industry answers. Learning, validation, and respect. Now, here's your hosts, Ruan Berger and Marissa Schultz. Welcome to the LVR Podcast. Today, a really, really good one that I believe a lot of people are going to want to listen to, want to hear about, and that is offshore employment versus onshore employment and how that can affect your business and how we see that to be a benefit to you either way and the things maybe worth taking into account. Marissa, your thoughts on that one? Yeah, thanks, Ruan. I guess, you know, there's a lot of pros and cons of considering offshore versus onshore support. I mean, as your business grows and as you do need more administrative support, Mm. it's easy to consider both options and to see the advantages of going offshore. I mean, it's obviously considerably cheaper than hiring people in Australia. It is something that we've considered in our business. Uh, Currently, we don't have any offshore admin support, but definitely uh, we got pretty close at one point before COVID and then we got a bit scared off. But I think the considerations that you need to keep in mind when you're thinking about whether this is the right thing for you is obviously cost is one factor, but you also want to make sure that you look at the other aspects. So you want to make sure that if you do go offshore that your data is being preserved securely, that it's not creating uh, cybersecurity risks for you and your business. It's not exposing your clients and your client data to any risk. I also think, you know, one of the considerations that I felt was important at the time was how it would impact team culture. And I think, you know, I know quite a few businesses, uh, especially interstate and all throughout Australia that do this really well and have offshore teams and onshore teams and they make the culture work really well. Uh, But I think that requires a lot of effort and work and I think you just need to be prepared to make sure that you're putting in the time and effort to make that person offshore feel like part of your team and still create that integrated culture. So I think that there's no right or wrong answer here, but I think there's a lot of considerations before jumping into an offshore arrangement. Agree. And I think um, one of the things, I think size of business play a role as well. I mean, if you mm. if you were just to be a broker, in respect of the support you need, that's what you've got to pay attention to. What are the jobs that you don't want to do? And at what cost can you pass them on? Mm. That would be the one thing that I would say if you're going to look onshore, offshore, is to understand what is the jobs you don't want to do and at what cost are you willing to pass them on? Firstly. Secondly, career path. I think if uh, you want to have a transitional model something where credit analysts can start with you and then become a loan writer, well, that's just not an offshore proposition. Yeah. So in that case, onshore makes sense purely because the training that you can give, the support that you can give, and also the direction that you can influence means that should be an off, in my mind, it should be an onshore proposition in the offshore. I think people need to be very conscious and cautious at looking at the cost implication because... (laughs) If something costs you 2000 and 2500 uh, and you only get 50% of the work done through that model, well, that doesn't make it cheaper. Mm. That's just relevant in respect of you get what you pay for. Yeah. You know, just going back to your 
point about the career path, I mean, definitely that was the main reason why we chose to grow our team locally rather than offshore because we do use our administration team as a training ground for new brokers effectively. And, you know, we can't really do that with offshore people because then, you know, they're never going to progress to become a mortgage broker in Australia. Yeah. I think that in terms of the cost versus return, I think that it can be good from what I've heard. You know, I do know quite a few businesses that have done this really successfully that are getting really good, skilled, qualified people offshore that are doing a great job and they don't cost as much as someone with with equivalent skills and knowledge and experience in Australia. But I also know many businesses that have really struggled in this area and have struggled to get the value out of an offshore representative. And the feedback that I got when I was investigating this option for ourselves was that you need to make the process really bulletproof. So you need to make sure you have a really strict and clear process on what happens and every stage of the process. If your business is not at the point where it's got really clearly articulated systems and processes that take away a lot of the thinking work, I guess, then offshore might be a little bit complicated. You know, a lot of the staff members offshore, they they like to follow a process. But again, it's also what they know, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And I guess one consideration that you've got to think about is how are you going to train this person? You know, it is a little bit more difficult to train someone when you can't see them face to face. Yeah. I mean, I guess because of COVID, we've got lots of tools now and technologies where we can communicate virtually and and so that's been great. I think that's a real stepping stone for bridging the gap. Yeah, but Marissa, just on that note, because I think that's a very, very valuable proposition, the training. Mm. But there's a bigger problem with that, isn't it? There were a bigger concern. And that is not about how you train these people. It's about the time that you have to give for training. Yeah. I mean, if you're a smaller business, to give that time, it means you need to take time away from something else, whether that is your business development, whether that is your appointment time, because you're now training people. Yeah. The smaller you are, the more that is an issue. Think about it just to get that person where we need to get. Mm. Are you better off looking at a pay-per-click proposition where data entry, having someone that, um, you know, have the skills, you source it out to them in respect of paying $165 and they prepare the application, do the apply online for you, get it ready to send to a client. Your thoughts on those things? Yeah, I mean, when you do bring in a new staff member, whether it's onshore or offshore, there is obviously considerable time that you have to invest into training them. There's no doubt about that. Mm. I think that that's why it's really important when you're choosing new team members that you do see that they are going to be with you for a a medium to long period of time because, you know, it is a a big investment of your time. And and as you said, Ruan, the smaller you are, the uh, more difficult it is to to train someone. And I think that, Yeah. yeah, definitely I think that what you said at the beginning was probably the right approach in terms of, writing down all the things that you do on a day-to-day basis in your business that you could delegate to someone else Mm. and then working out what level of skill and initiative you want in your new team member. So do you want someone that's just going to, you know, learn things from watching you? Do you have the time to invest in, you know, a structured training program? Mm. Explore what type of business you are and what capacity you've got to train someone And if you don't have time to put together a structured learning program and really invest in structured training, 
you can still get admin support, but maybe they need to shadow you for a few weeks and yeah. you need someone with great initiative that's just going to pick it up on the go. Yeah. And that's going to be much more likely to be someone that's here with you locally, sharing the office with you rather than someone offshore. Yeah. And that gets us to the next point. It's lays to an onion at best, this this type of proposition in respect of the onshore, offshore, pay-per-click. And that, that gets you one step further, and that's the recruitment. You were just talking about recruiting and getting that right person, but it's easier said than done. Mm. Because, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, people will tell you, yep, I can do this, this, and then they start with you and they may not be able to. And then as business owners and as brokers over the years, one thing I've seen is we try and teach them to do what we do and not teach them to do what we did, which means we really need to almost take it back further just to really get them to come on this journey with us. With our business, we used to use an uh, outsource company in respect of creating, getting the applications and doing the data capturing for us. But we used it as a tool for recruitment as well because as soon as every month, if we hit 2500 a month in cost to them at $165 a deal, we knew we need to start looking for that next staff member. So it was almost that recruitment to grow and not recruitment to fill because I'm I'm a big believer if you recruit to fill, you're too late. And then it's just other problems awaiting you. And as a small business, as a business that just grows and your loan writers at the end of the day, for loan writer to write more, it is because they can spend more time writing. They can spend more time having conversations, not training people. So you really need to understand if you put a proposition like that out there, mm. how does someone get trained by walking the walk versus just listening to someone say, do this, do that? And I love what you said earlier too. I think you do need to get to a point where you need to really go and mud map what you do. Mm. And then break it down in almost quarters. Yeah. And go, if I was to bring someone in, get them to do this well. And as soon as they do that well, get them to do that well. But that takes time and it takes money and you've got to be okay with that proposition. And um, more to the point, if you're going to reverse engineer it, does this person one day going to become a loan writer for you or are they just there to fill that gap? I think you also need to think about your customer value proposition as well and the way that you want to in- interact with your customers. So... You know, if you are having an offshore team or people offshore, I believe it's important to make that clear to your customers and make them aware that that is happening. And you need to decide, are these team members offshore going to be interacting with your customers and actually going to be communicating with them directly via phone or email? Or are they going to be pure back office and they're not going to be visible to the customers? Because these are all decisions that impact your customer value proposition and impact the way that you interact with your client base. I've spoken to many businesses about this topic over the years and there are some businesses that I've spoken to that will never consider offshore because they believe that their uh, client base and where they're located, they will not accept that proposition. And then there are lots of other businesses that I've spoken to that have done this really successfully and say that as long as you position it with your clients, well in the beginning, then they have no issues with it. So I think it's just a matter of considering these aspects and I don't think there's a right or wrong answer here. I think that both solutions can work really well. Yeah. And, you know, definitely there's a lot to gain from offshore and definitely there's a lot, you know, there's pros and cons of both, I guess you could say. Yeah, 100%. And I think um, more to the point, when you thought of going down this route, you took the time to go and investigate it. Mm. And I think that's the key because whatever way you go, you've got to give it enough time 
to see whether it's a workable solution or not for your business. So the, I think in those moments, the one thing you can't do is shortcut. You can't go and let's say, let's try it for a month, let's try it for two, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Well, oh, definitely. I can tell you now it's not going to work. Mm. So you need to make that investment and go, the next six to 12 months is going to be data. It's about seeing... You know, learning a few lessons along the way too because we usually do learn lessons and it's about paying attention and go, this didn't work, that didn't work, can it work that way? Mm. One of the things you said that I really I, I like, I think it's there's businesses that showed us they've got both and, and I'm working with one of those businesses that have the offshore and have the onshore and I think that's almost the best of both worlds because you, you have the transition proposition and then you also have the maintenance proposition. So you've got both sides. And as time goes on, that team has to grow offshore. I think the value starts getting when you have another person offshore that can train that one offshore um, so that you're almost in a position where they, they become a team within a team. Yeah, I agree. So, so yeah. it clearly, you're right. It, it can work in any way. It's just what works for you. And, and if, if people are to say to me, my clients won't like it, I think it's fair to say we can take it back to the starting point and it's them that doesn't like it. And that's okay. Mm. That's okay if you don't like it and if you don't feel comfortable with it because if you don't feel comfortable with it, you ain't going to sell it very well to your clients. That's just the reality. Yeah, and I, I think that's a really good point because at the end of the day, it does come down to your comfort level. And we did invest a lot of time and effort into going down this path. And mm. uh, we appointed a recruitment agent. We interviewed quite a few people. Mm. We were almost committed to taking on two people offshore. We found two candidates we were really happy with. But there was just something in my gut that was yeah. pulling me away from it. And I guess, you know, with COVID, uh, that sort of was the icing on the cake for me. And I just sort of pulled out at the last minute thinking, well, I'm not comfortable with someone offshore that I don't know very well working from home yeah. when we can't give them the support that we can give someone in Australia who needs to work from home. So, you know, we might return to exploring it again in the future, but it does come down to a gut feel and your comfort level and making sure that you're really happy with the team that you're building out. Yeah. And on that note, is it fair to say onshore is for growth, offshore is for maintenance? It's uh, the one is to maintain that business flow. You can grow it too, but I mean, at the end of the day, one broker can only write so many loans. Uh, if you want to write double that loans, mm. you've got to get yourself another broker. Um, not too many times it's going to be that one broker going double up or nothing, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and I think there's also a lot of growth opportunities that come as a result of having a local team because if you've got a great local team and, and that local team is growing, they've obviously got family and friends and that in itself helps to build your brand and helps to build your goodwill, whereas mm. you do miss out on that a little bit if you've got your offshore team growing. So yeah. I think that, look, there's pros and cons of both and there's definitely no right or wrong yeah answer here. It's really what's right for your business. Yeah. For us, we've loved having a local team that's growing and we uh, love that we can all get together regularly and have social interactions as well as communicate regularly in the office. Yeah. That's been a really important part of our culture. 
But uh, it's not to say that we couldn't also do that with someone offshore. It would just require a different approach. Agreed. Well, on that note, I think it's uh, time for us to say goodbye. And um, we hope you took some value out of this conversation, respect of offshore and onshore recruitment and staff. Uh, More to the point, if there's any questions from this LVR podcast that you have in respect of that, feel free to email us at hello at successandbroker.com.au and more than happy to reach back to you and just, again, as I said, give you some information in that respect because this is a big decision. Whichever way you look at it, uh, you're better off getting it right than getting it wrong and there is no right and wrong so much, but there is a better and a worse. So taking the time to research is key. I want to thank you guys for uh, tuning in. If you like what you've heard today, please do Uh, uh, post this over your socials please up and um, yeah the more the merrier thank you so much for your time until next time thank you bye thanks for listening to the LVR podcast we hope you gained massive value from today's episode and we'd like to thank our sponsor success and broker and the broker journal driving broker routines and behaviors for better client outcomes If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we'd appreciate if you gave us a five-star review. That way, it'll help others who would value this content too. We'll join you in the next episode.